Hey, 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 pals! Welcome to the Super Pals Podcast, the podcast where two best friends talk about the greatest things to happen to them this week. I'm Dan Sinker, your bestest host, and with me, as always, is the super tremendous Maureen Johnson. Maureen, how the heck are you? Uh, Dan, Dan, what are you, what are you doing, Dan? Oh, that's great. I'm so glad to hear it. I am also having a fantastic week. Maybe, I don't know, maybe we should open with our Super Pals Super list, right? So first up on my list, ice cream. I love ice cream. There are Dan. so many flavors I love, Dan, but I think doing? chocolate is probably my Dan. favorite. Dan, what are, you, what are you doing? Well, next up, sunshine. I know it's September, but it's still sunny and warm. And isn't sunshine just the best, Maureen? Dan, what is going on? What are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah, I agree. I love it when a sunbeam hits the floor, too. Okay, next on the Super Pal Super list is orange juice. Stop. Dan. What? Stop. What? Dan, what are you doing? Oh, I'm I'm recording the Super Pals podcast. Uh, it's, it's our podcast. We're two best friends. That is not our podcast, Dan. We do an election thing, remember? And, like, we don't actually even know each other that well, so I don't don't go around saying we're best friends. Well, I mean, okay, right. So so we did an election podcast, but but after this week, you know, with that Trump-Birther press conference, it wasn't really a press conference. And then how, like, six hours later he said that Hillary Clinton's security details should just disarm so apparently she could get shot or something. I just realized, like, why? Why are we doing this? And why not... Why not do something nice instead? So anyway, uh, next up on the Super Pal Super list, petting dogs. Stop. Okay. Yeah. Last week sucked. All right. This week, probably also going to suck. Okay. But we have got to spend the final eight weeks of the campaign doing this and getting through this together. Remember? That was our plan. We're going to get through it together. People are counting on us, so we gotta stick to the plan. Oh yeah? Says who? Welcome to Says Who, the podcast that isn't a podcast. It's a coping strategy. I'm Maureen Johnson. And I'm Dan Sinker. It's our second week of Says Who, with just six more left before the election is upon us. And this week is kind of the calm before the storm. The debates, they'll kick in next week. Oh, God. So we'll... I forgot about that. I'm out. Yep. Goodbye. Dan? 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 Dan is gone. Dan. Dan, we just started this podcast. Dan, we've only done one episode. Dan, you gotta come back. Dan? Dan? Uh, okay. Uh, well, um, Dan is gone. Uh, this isn't what I expected, but I may be doing this by myself. Uh, which is a shame, because I heard there was a pizza at the end of this podcast. That's just what I heard, that every single person who makes it to the end of this podcast gets a pizza. Wait, pizza? So, you know, pizza but if... Pizza? 
if you don't like pizza, this is probably not the podcast for you. So you just you don't listen to this if you're not a, not a pizza fan. What, what kind of pizza? That's the spirit. There he is. Remember, we're here to cope. Cope rhymes with hope. It also rhymes with nope. And Dan rhymes with can. Also, also with ran. Okay, I admit, this week has not been calm. In fact, I remember it was about a week ago that Hillary Clinton's team announced that she'd come down with pneumonia. And we were recording the episode when that was announced. Like, we had just said that if you turned your back on this election for a second, something would happen, and we turned our back for a second, and something happened. So. That was... I, I actually thought that was longer than a week ago. Uh, 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 this In the same week, this was the same week that Trump went to Detroit and, and started a speech in at a at a at a church and then began to start bad mouthing Hillary. And the pastor jumped up uh, and kind of shut him down and, and he meekly stopped pretty much immediately. But then the next day started kind of bad mouthing her and and uh, and and saying how she was a nervous wreck the whole time. And then Trump uh, went on Dr. Oz to release his medical records that his doctor, Dr. Nick, uh, had allegedly given him. Uh, but then he didn't release them, and he only let Dr. Oz look at them, and I'm still trying to figure out what that was about. Yeah, and that that was last week? Yeah, that was all this week. That, oh, my God. Uh, and then kind of capped off with this reemergence of the whole whole birther controversy again. Yeah. Yeah, that's how the weekend is. Yeah, I got to go. I'm out. Dan, Dan, Dan. Maybe this is time to talk about coping. We didn't discuss that much last time. We laid the groundwork by talking to Anna Marie Cox about the media, but I think we really need to step back and talk about how to cope with things like that press conference, which is clearly, clearly you're having some feelings about. And, you know, not everybody, not all the listeners out there, our listeners are super smart. And that means that not all of them watched it because they were living their lives. So why don't you, as a way of coping, as a way of dealing with your feelings, and a way of telling people what they missed, if they missed it, walk us through it. What did you see in that press conference from Friday? So it, you'll remember that Trump spent many years attempting to delegitimize Barack Obama by claiming that that he had a fake birth certificate or some some ridiculous thing. And 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 somehow that kind of came back up and he continued to disavow the fact that he should apologize for it or anything like that. And so um, there seemed to be sort of a hastily prepared press conference on Friday to finally put the put the issue to bed. And it was was held at Trump's hotel which he reminded people many times and, in fact, took people on a tour afterwards. But the thing to me was it was 30 minutes long. Yep. 29 or so minutes of that had nothing to do with anything. It was... The stage had, like, 40 people on it. Some of them were, like, Medal of Honor winners for some reason, but then other ones kind of looked like they had just been grabbed off the street and the hat thrown on their head. And... And then when they finally did get to it, 
I think he said something like 60 words, none of which was an apology, none of which was anything. He managed to blame Hillary Clinton for the whole thing. And then and then he just walked off. Yep. That's that's what happened. And there was one final thing is that after he left, the marquee fell down. So so the marquee just kind of collapsed at the at the end of it. So as a little punctuation, a little exclamation mark. Okay, so those are the facts. Now, let's talk about how they make you feel. Um, I just feel really bad. I feel like this is not, you know, this was a this was a moment where he conned everyone into giving his hotel a free ad, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it was only the ballroom. Can't really, yeah, and you can't, can't, can't judge by a ballroom. Yeah, it's, uh, you all, can't all, judge a hotel by the ballroom. They all look kind of the same, to be honest. They have that kind of industrial carpeting, a couple rounds. You know, they, but actually, I want to give our listeners a chance. If you saw it or listened to that description, I'm going to give a brief pause for you to say out loud the feeling you're having. So you're feeling, you, I'm going to give you the sentence. I'm feeling, good, did you say it out loud? Okay, great. Just acknowledge your feelings. Do you feel better having acknowledged your feelings? I, I guess I guess I do feel a little better. Hey, see that? We're, we're coping. Now there are only six weeks left. Uh-huh. So we have, it's going to be, it's, there's six weeks left. I, six weeks. I still think switching to the Super Pals podcast is the right move. No, 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 no. You got to knock it off with that. We have a guest to talk to and maybe he can share some coping strategies with us and you'll feel a little bit better still. Oh, God, I hope so. So it says who. We're not just trying to survive the election process. We're also trying to learn a little bit more about how it works and why we've ended up where we are this year. And since we're, well, decidedly not experts here, we bring someone in every week to help us better understand this election. This week, we're so happy to have Josh Katz, a graphics editor and data scientist for the New York Times website The Upshot. At the upshot, Josh designs forecasting models for the 2016 presidential and Senate elections. In addition, his work on the New York Times dialect quiz has been adapted into the book Speaking American, which is out October 25th from Houghton Mifflin Harcourt. Josh, welcome to Says Who. Now, tell us, who will win this election? Yeah, seriously, let's just get to the end. Uh, Yeah, well, thanks for having me. And I can see you're starting right off with the hard-hitting questions. Um, we just want to know how this ends. That's it. That's all that really matters to us. Yeah, I wish I could tell you. Uh, at this point, it really is <sighs> still very much up in the air. So we're just going to have to wait and see. So so I was talking to uh, my 11-year-old son the other day. This is kind of the first election that he's really plugged into and is and is following the news on his own, which is awesome. And he asked me how polling works. And so I was like, oh, yeah, totally. No problem. So you've got pollsters and they take it. And then I suddenly realized I have no idea how polling works. And yet this is a thing that I am following like someone might have followed the Grateful Dead at one point. So like how how does polling work? Yeah, that's that is a great question. And I mean, I think it's if you ask uh, 10 different pollsters, you might get 10 different answers. Uh, The standard way that polling would work um, would be getting a a list of registered voters and just, you know, dialing them up 
at random. But, and one way that people have done to like make that cheaper is to use these automated polls. Uh, so it's not like a live dial poll, you're just doing this kind of automated system. But the catch is that those pollsters can't call cell phones. And there's a ton of people out there who don't even have a landline anymore. I don't have a landline, I just have a cell phone. Um, and so pollsters are sort of trying to figure out how to approach this kind of brave new world of polling. And I mean, so I I would say talk to me like I'm dumb, but that's probably already obvious. Um, I mean, what are they hoping to to get? Right. Like what is what is the purpose of of doing these polls? Because we're talking about not a huge number of people. Right. Right. Um, but the idea is is that using the responses of just a thousand people, say, um, and some statistics, then you can generalize from their responses to how you would expect the entire country to vote after you wait according to age or gender or race or things like that. But presumably, from what you've just said, and I've heard on other, because now, of course, we all listen to um, superstar pollsters like, you know, Nate Silver. Did you ever think you were going to be a superstar pollster? Were you ever like, well, I'm going to be famous, I'm going to be a pollster? <laughs> so I think there's also there's an important distinction to make between people who conduct polls and people who, you know, mash them all together and try and come up with this forecast of uh, the likelihood of a certain event happening based on this polling information. So I think what we're trying to do at the upshot and what uh, Nate Silver tries to do is to take all of this information and distill it into this uh, probability that you know Clinton wins or the probability that Trump wins to help hopefully that helps people focus less on you know one polling result each day like oh, okay this you know this one poll came out and everyone kind of overreacts to that one poll and to sort of take a couple steps back and put it into context and figure out what it all means. Does that mean that basically then at this point, a lot of polls are the answers of people who have landlines and are willing to pick up weird random calls? Because I imagine just one dusty cobweb covered landline in a kind of haunted mansion on a hill (laughs) and one person like a kind of disembodied hand picking it up going, hello. And like, that's, (laughs) the basis of the poll information now. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure because I, if I see a call, if they can't call cell phones and they can only call landlines and, and no matter what, if I see a number I don't know, frequently when I see a number I do know, I kind of throw the phone across the room in terror and flee. So you're getting information from people who have landlines who like to answer random phone calls? Uh, to a certain extent, yes. Now I should say that it's just these automated pollsters that can only call mm-hmm. landlines, so um, sort of uh, live polls where they actually have a you know, actual human being on the other end of the line and calling up, they can call cell phones. Um, but there definitely is a an issue with low response rates. I mean, response rates to polls these days are down in the single digits. Uh, and so I think it's an open question, you know, how representative a sample can you get if you're just doing kind of a standard random sample of people? Is that is that kind of why then forecasting has kind of moved into 
a, a new position, um, you know, because you're taking you're taking a number of different polls plus additional additional kind of models, right, to then come up with with the the more predictive, you know, the percentages that that you all post at the upshot every every day, right? Um, is 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 part of that 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 polling is is changing and so kind of taking them all is is more useful or or, or you know why why do these forecasts uh well i mean i guess there's a lot of different things wrapped up into that one question um but i don't think it's that we are really you know trying to at least speaking for uh, the, the model that we do with the upshot i don't think we're really trying to correct for whatever the pollsters are doing we sort of take the numbers that they give us at face value, more or less. Um, it's more about aggregating all of that information together. And a lot of pollsters are taking, uh, are using the internet to expand uh, their sample and to get information from a lot of people very quickly. And that's sort of the frontier of new polling techniques. Yeah, sometimes I see on the news, there'll be like data provided by SurveyMonkey or right. something that I guess some people have, you know, it's, I've put a Twitter quiz out there, you know, it's. Yeah. Um, I mean, hopefully it's a little bit more robust than a Twitter quiz, but yeah, no, SurveyMonkey and uh, Morning Consult uh, are some of the firms that have been trying to use some more advanced techniques to uh, get polling information than firms have done in the past. I've never been polled. Um, Me neither. Why don't. Why don't polls like us? Like, what? What's is it? Because we're in New York. It might be. I haven't voted in a while. That might be it. I'm starting to feel a little insulted. I would like to. I mean, I'll get a landline, <laughs> and answer. I won't actually get a landline and answer it. I won't do that. <laughs> I had a landline, and all I got was creepy, weird calls for the previous people who lived here, and then I unplugged it and threw it out. Um, so maybe I won't get polled, but. Uh, I would like to be. Really? Because the polls concern... Well, yeah, because they... Sure. I like questions. I would like to answer a question. Um, I don't really want to be, but maybe this year I want to be. I think this year I would answer. Because we're all a little trigger happy this year. Bad choice of words, Maureen. We're (laughs) all a little sensitive this year. So, you know, I feel like uh, I would like to tell someone. I would like to grab them by the lapels and tell them what I would do in a voting situation. Sure. So, all right, I I I will admit to looking at 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 the work you're doing at the Upshot with increasing levels of stress and panic. Um, and so I'm I'm curious. So I have this up right now. Last updated, twelve fifty seven p.m. Eastern, which is like an hour before we got on the call. Uh, it says Hillary Clinton has a seventy four percent chance of winning the presidency. Right. right? So this is. This is the forecast. Right. Can you kind of explain a little bit how you go from polls to that uh, 74% chance number? Sure. So you have a bunch of state polls and national polls. The model takes all of this polling information and mashes it together to come up with an estimate uh, for each state of what we think the margin in the election is going to be. For instance, in Pennsylvania. Um, right now, the model is forecasting, I believe, a 
Clinton plus five. So it's best guess based on the information right now is that on the election in November, Hillary Clinton is going to beat Donald Trump by five points in Pennsylvania. But around that estimate, there's this margin of error, uh, which it's not quite the same thing as the margin of error that you usually hear about, like that's attached to a poll. Slightly different, but the idea is sort of the same. The idea is that we think that, so the best guess is Clinton plus five, but that ultimately you think that's going to be wrong. And that the true outcome is going to have some kind of error, some distribution around that plus five. So it could end up being that Trump wins, for example. And you have these error distributions around each estimate. And when you put all of those together, you, you know, run millions of simulations or whatever and count up the number of simulated elections that Clinton wins. And it ends up being Clinton wins in 74% of those. So that's what your estimated probability ends up being. So you, so you have a computer I do. in or around your desk that just does nothing but run the election? Pretty much, yeah. Does it look anything like the computer at the end of War Games that does all of the simulated nuclear... <laughs> no, it's really, nuclear... really disappointing in that regard. Oh. Does uh. it, and it, it doesn't go, the only way to win is not to play? It no, I mean, I can talk to uh, the technology people here and see if I can get something, you know, a little bit more impressive looking that can do something like that. Yeah, or at least like a little like, it should, it should have a little confetti gun that... Psh- Every time it finishes an election, right. just boom, exactly. a little bit of confetti out into the newsroom. Um, so this, I mean, I've known that that's how forecasting works forever, but it is it is still a crazy idea to me that you're kind of running these election, like Matrix-style election simulations. What goes into that? Um, like, why, why if, if things are polling the way they are and you're able to say this is the average of the poll— why do you have to run like what what goes into a simulated election sure. that's different than just saying here's a bunch of polls? Sure. So it's a really interesting question, actually, because there's a as I said before, it's that. All right. So in Pennsylvania, we think Hillary's going to win by five. But there's also this error around that number. And that error can come from several dif- different places. Uh, for one, all of the pollsters could be wrong. Um, inherent in coming up with this polling number is you sort of have to model what you think the electorate is going to look like in November in terms of what its uh, racial and gender and age composition is going to be. Every pollster has sort of some idea of what that is. They could all miss. So in 2012, actually, the polling average, national polling average missed by about three or four points. It missed in Obama's direction, so no one noticed because the pollsters were predicting an Obama victory by about one point and it ended up being by about four points. If it had been three points the other way, it would have been this giant polling failure. Um, But so that's one source of error. Another source of error is that between now and the election, things are going to happen. And those things might move the numbers towards Clinton or they might move them towards Trump. And we don't know which direction that's going to be at this point. So yeah, so those are just two 
sources of error. So that's why you have to do all of these simulated elections to come up with this probabilistic forecast. So, so how many times have you run the election? Uh, I lost count. I mean, we run the model about, at this point, we're running it about every other hour. Oh. Uh, I mean, it's not, oh my God. <laughs> it's not like I have to be sitting there and tabulating something by hand. Uh, you know, it's running on a computer somewhere and just updating itself as things go. So it's, it's not as much of a chore as it sounds. Wow. I'm telling you, that thing is going to, you're going to call it Joshua. It's going to become sentient. It might. It's going to start running its own elections. I do worry about that occasionally, but so far we've been good. When did you see the biggest change in this kind of last couple of months? Have there been any moments where you saw, I mean, I'm assuming around the conventions, but were there any other times that you were like, huh, look at that? Yeah, there were really two. It was right during uh, the Democratic convention, which coincided with Donald Trump having a particularly bad week in terms of uh, the, the it, there was a news story pretty much every day of some, I guess you could call it a gaffe, that he did, some comment that he made um, that made the news. And then during those couple weeks, Hillary's numbers improved from maybe like the high 60s to the high 80s in terms of the percentage. And then the other time is the past three weeks, um, Donald Trump's numbers have improved steadily. So um, for where before he was at about a 10% chance to win, now he's up to 26%. It's just been a kind of steady march. And then the next sort of inflection point that we'll see of where you'd expect things could move a good bit is with the first debate a week from now. So how um, how quickly do poll numbers and then obviously your full forecast built on that, how quickly do they reflect events, right? So are we seeing, are we right now seeing the numbers move from events of last week or are we seeing numbers move from events of a couple weeks ago or kind of how, how quick do, how quick is kind of yeah, sentiment reflected sure. in, in the polling? Generally, it's about a week. Um, you know, a poll, depending on the poll, it might be in the field for a few days, uh, meaning like they're actively collecting information. Uh, so there's usually, there's a bit of a lag, but it's roughly a week, give or take. So, so then we aren't even seeing Clinton's pneumonia in the numbers yet. It would start to be reflected uh, in the polls that have just come in and the ones that will come out over the next week or so, yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to make that exact same sound. <laughs> I have to say, Josh, that for someone who is running a simulated election every hour or so, you sound very calm and steady, like you are a ship's captain with his hand <laughs> on the wheel. I would be eating cigarettes and crushing glasses with my bare hand for fun. How, how do you uh, how do you feel as someone running a simulated millions of simulated elections every hour? You sound yeah. I have to say you sound rock steady. So I mean I think that's part of the reason why we run the models at all is that you know if you were just tasked with well just come up with a number like what do you think is going to happen I would be freaking out, um, which is why you know there's numbers there's math I and mean, you just run the model you 
have built this thing based on looking at how things have moved in past elections and you just trust that you trust in the math because you've tested it and you let it run. Uh, and I, I think that's helpful. So you cope with logic, uh, mathematics, science, uh, sensible, steady, things like that. I'm so screwed. Yeah. <laughs> this is not my... Dan, we're not... We're in trouble. We're not. This yeah, is not, we our, this is not how we can cope. Because we keep trying to look for ways of coping. And you have a good one, but not one we can access. Well, I mean, you can check the page. Oh, we do. And you can let the... You know, then you can just let the model take all of your stress. So you don't have to worry about it. You can just check the number and see where things are at. Well, that's, that's reassuring. Like, let the... That's a good... Let the model... Take your stress. That's that's something I kind of want repeated. Like I could play that on a kind of relaxation tape. Let the model take your stress. Believe in the model. Absorb the model. Like that. Yeah. And you and I can sound like you because you really sound like someone who has it together, a hundred percent. I got to tell you. I wouldn't go that far. You, but you sound it. I appreciate the compliment. Really, I mean, you could be sitting there like nervously like you know just shaking and grabbing things and breaking them and smashing things together but on the phone you sound smooth as silk so i applaud you sir you sound far more calm talking about the election than i do talking about the grocery store he's a smart man and that's that's why that's why he that's why that's why trust the model let the model absorb your stress yeah. You've given us something to hold on to. You have given every listener something to hold on to. I uh, do what I can. So. You've done it. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Jo- Josh Katz from from the New York Times Upshot website. Thank you so much for joining us. Your book, Speaking American, is out October 25th. We're pretty excited about that, too. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, go go give that computer a nice little pet make sure it feels good make sure it feels calm too uh, thanks for having me we'll do thank you so much thanks that's it for this episode of says who please join us next week when we'll be discussing the very first presidential debate oh, of the season f- debate yeah it's gonna be fine it's gonna be fine we have the podcast Trust in the model. Trust in the model. Let the model take your stress. Trust in the model. Let the model take your stress. Trust in the model. Let it take your stress. Okay. Yep. First debate, Monday, September 26th. Not December. It's not December. It's September. Good point. Sooner. Wait, that's better? That's better. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because otherwise the, the, the election the would the election would be going on for you know about three and a half more months. Oh, okay. Monday, September twenty sixth, debate number one. We'll be waiting in your podcast queue just a couple days later. Thanks to the tons of listeners that have been helping spread the word about says who. Word of mouth is the only way we've got to let people know what we're up to, and we super appreciate your support. So keep spreading the love. Oh, and hey, if you found us through iTunes, which looking at the uh, statistics is literally almost all of you, please do take a moment to leave a review. It does help us immensely. 
You can get in touch with us on Twitter at Says Who Podcast, on Facebook at slash Says Who Podcast, or just the plain old internet at Says Who Podcast.com. Our theme music is performed by Ted Leo, who will be playing at the Brooklyn Night Bazaar on September 24th. There's more info on that at bkbazaar.com. And our organ music for the Super Pals Supercast, which Maureen, I still think, is a better idea. Quit it with that. Uh, that was performed by Josh Cantor, who will be uh, performing whenever the Boston Red Sox play at home. Our logo was designed by Darth. That's at Darth on Twitter. From my closet in New York, I'm Maureen Johnson. And from my basement in Chicago, I'm Dan Sinker. All right, I'm trusting in the model, Maureen. I think this week's going to be relatively calm, right? I mean, with the debates coming up, they've got to be taking a breather to, like, practice, right? I mean, I trust in the model. It only seems fair that after this past week, we get a break. Oh, yeah? Says who? Okay, so you said you said something about pizza at the end of the podcast? Is that... I? It's hard for me to hear the doorbell from down here in the basement, so is that something you sent over, or Dan, like, what are you, you going to... Dan, what are you eating? What are you eating? That's a soundproofing tile, Oh, Dan. it's... Uh, well, I've got a little hungry, Maureen. What am I supposed to do? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs>